Good day, gentlemen. Welcome to the Remarkable Man Show. I'm your host, Dwayne Klassen. And before I get to my special guest, I want to honor you for being here. And all I ask is that you please like, share, comment, and subscribe. Leave your honest review, whether it's on iTunes, you're listening there, or you're watching on the YouTube channel, or whatever platform you find us on. Every little bit helps, brothers gets the word out there to more and more people so that we can affect this world in a remarkable way. All right, let's get to our guest. He is none other than Darren Austin Hall. I had the pleasure of meeting Darren on his amazing program, Healing Masculinity. This five-day program was exclusive to Facebook. And there I learned more about what he's doing and what he is uh, putting out there to impact the lives of men around the world. So I knew I needed to have him on the show. Now, I have got a full bio in the show notes for Darren. It is extensive. This man has done a lot and accomplished much in this world. He is contributing to an incredible uh, modality of music and insight and sage. I wanna give you the abbreviated version here. All right. Darren Austin Hall is a modern druid. His service to the world comprises of being a mystical musician, song channel, cosmic poet, and spiritual sage philosopher. Since a child, Darren has been gifted to channel sounds and songs from spiritual dimensions that help to shift consciousness into mystical states and open pathways to higher wisdom. He shares his popular Wisdom Warrior talks grounding spiritual insights with contemporary global context on his YouTube channel. Now, Darren is also passionate about rectifying masculinity in a toxic world and has led many men's groups over the years, as well as teaching a course he developed, Heroic Consciousness, which takes men through a journey of empowerment through masculine archetypal psychology. He also recently, as I mentioned, hosted the Healing Masculinity five-day program on Facebook which we're gonna talk about. Plus, Darren is soon to be releasing his Kings of the Heart program, where he dives deep into the king, warrior, magician, and lover archetypes. So, brothers, without further ado, let's go with Darren Austin Hall. Gentlemen, the world needs remarkable men. This is your time, and this is your show. I'm your host, Dwayne Klassen, and welcome to the Remarkable Man Show. Aaron Austin Hall, welcome to the Remarkable Man Show, brother. Glad to have you here. Glad to be here, brother. Yeah, I uh, I was actually introduced to you by by an invitation that you sent out on Facebook in regards to the Healing Masculinity uh, five day quest that you were putting on. And I was really, really impressed. And I was touched by your empathy, your uh, level of width and breadth of your wisdom. And I was unfortunately tied up that I couldn't be on the show as much as I wanted to. And so the law of reciprocity is strong within me. And I went, you know what? I got to have you on the remarkable man show because the brothers need to hear what you're putting out there and uh, so this is this is that opportunity so uh gentlemen i want you to get make sure that you've got your journals ready because darren's going to be dropping some incredible wisdom here today so don't just be passive in listening today be active lean into the conversation all right darren so glad to have you here, brother. Honored to be here. I'm so grateful that you reached out, Dwayne, especially given everything that's happening with all that I'm offering right now. I'm just looking to share more of it. So this is a great opportunity. So very, very honored to be here. And share you do. Now, just to give the uh, the audience a little bit of context, um, obviously, we all have our journey. We all have our, our quests in life. How did you get to this point? And I know that you mentioned that uh, doing men's work wasn't something that you just thought, I'm going to be doing this. It just kind of evolved into this journey that you're on. Yeah. So I guess to, to jump off into the journey of the men's work, um, 
you know, I think like most men um, in our younger years, when we get the reflection from Western culture, at least about self-development as a man, I think most of us are, are trying to cultivate more connection with our femininity, our sensitivity, mm. um, our lovingness, things that are vitally important. But we find that we don't get very activated in, in the realm of masculinity, probably because there's, there's a huge pain body in women and in the world now just reckoning with the toxic elements of masculinity, right. the, the powers and the domineering powers of patriarchy, which we're all trying to transform. So for a long time, I, I had no idea that, about working on my masculinity. It was not something in my field at all. And then right. serendipitously, I was in India. This is over 10 years ago. And I met this remarkable man um, from Portugal. And he befriended me. And we traveled together a bit with a few other friends. And he was the one who introduced me to the um, King War Magician Lover books, which are a kind of archetypal Robert techno- Moore. Techno- yeah. yeah, Robert Moore, Douglas mm-hmm. Gillette. And it was funny, he prefaced it as um, that he was given these books by what he called wise witches, like wise women, mm. in, in not in, a, in any kind of slanderous context, like really revering that in women. Sure. Um, in Europe, in his travels, he met these women and they said to him, that every man needs the technology that is in these books. Um, And I was just captivated. I said, wow. And at that point, I had had some um, very profound spiritual teachers, particularly a a female elder of Native American descent. So I I was already like, when there's a wise woman in your life telling you to do something, you you best listen. So when I got that transmission from those wise women through Duarte, my friend, I immediately, when I got back to Canada, I got my hands on on the book and just started to work with it. And it's kind of like when you find that great vitamin or food that you're missing in your diet, when you're working with a really skilled nutritionist, and the minute you get it back in your diet, everything starts to just get regenerated and strengthened. Yeah. It kind of felt like that when I started working with my masculinity through the the technology of that of, of that work, of that book. And I just started doing it more as a self-practice and self-development path. And then at a certain point, I just was like seeing so much positive change in myself. And I was just so, you know, I'm a Gemini, I'm excited to, to gab about things. And I just mm-hmm. wanted to share it with my brothers because, you know, you start to really get in touch with the shadow and the woundedness of, mm-hmm. of men through uh, their writings, Douglas Moore and Robert Gillette and other men's books that started to come into my field. And so I was just like, wow, I really want to get this into, into men. So I started a men's circle with a friend and, and then started doing my own stuff and then eventually developed a whole course teaching the archetypes, which led into retreats as well. And just been on that journey ever since. And um, it's just been one of the most blessed things I've got to, to give to the world and, and also receive the brotherhood of men, um, which is so important in a man's life. No question. I was on that journey myself. Well, I guess we're going back about 15 years and it was David Data's work that actually really opened my my mind to uh, what was happening in the men's world. And I thought, wow, this is this is something that I could really tap into. But it it was came out of a core wound that I was going through. And I ended up having what I call my perfect storm. And in probably an 18 month period, I guess it was, uh, I was engaged to the woman of my dreams at that time. I had a business that was just crushing it. And uh, I, I really, and I had a seven-year-old son from a previous relationship but in that 18 months, I found out that my son wasn't mine. I had manifested crooked partners in my business and went through a nasty proxy battle. I won but in the courts, but there was nothing left to save, destroyed my company. And my fiance was a very strong alpha energy. And when I met her, uh, Darren, I was, I was at the top of my game. I was the alpha. And she needed that in her life. But when all this unraveled, my, uh, my masculine acquiesced to a more feminine energy. And she could not, she loved me, but the attraction was gone. 
And I went into the friend zone in this relationship and she ended up getting a great opportunity and I told her to take it. And there it was 18, 18 months later, I had lost everything. Wow. And so that was the catalyst to figure out what the hell was going on. And when I started writing my book and that was just a download uh, that the research I was doing was that there was a global malaise that was happening to men. And men around the world were feeling lost, more confused, more frustrated than ever before. And the universe just said, this is going to be your, your trajectory. And I'm seeing that in a lot of my brothers in the men's movement and the leaders in that. And I would like to talk a little bit more, perhaps, on what was your catalyst? What was, what was your uh, experience or your perfect storm that got you moving forward? Wow. Well, thanks for sharing, brother. That is that's intense, especially regarding the child. <laughs> I can't imagine that. Um, but I mean, that's that's a perfect example of, you know, contextualizing our adversity as initiation, because right. that's that's really what we have to figure out in life. I'm, I'm all about using our consciousness to render context and, and getting more activated in the stories we tell ourselves because so many adversities and are opportunities in disguise. Um, and because men have lost these rights of initiation, as Carl Jung always said, it, it's not that, I mean, it's devastating that we've lost those rights of initiation that we're stewarding boys into men. Right. But as Carl Jung always said, you know, reality is always the, the great initiator. So as long as you, as long as we can context things, we can always treat things as an opportunity to like galvanize us into strength. Um, for me specifically, I think probably the perfect storm that I went through um, in the last, I'd say six years, that's kind of on par, well, wouldn't be on par with, with what you went through, but um, was I was in a relationship with uh, who I thought was the love of my life. Mm -hmm. And um, this was, I had just, really started to really dive much deeper into offering the men's work to the world. And I was in a very good place with my psychology. Um, but I had always struggled with uh, how to use my sexual energy in the right way. Mm. Um, I had a kind of addiction to pornography um, and fantasies and fantasies around being dominated and things that I was never feeling um, confident in sharing with my partners. And, right. and a lot of that is because we're not given any sexual education whatsoever. And there's so much repression around that. It's probably the biggest wound. Um, and for the first year of my relationship with this wonderful partner, um, that was something that I had actually gained control over. And I was in a great king energy with it all. Mm -hmm. My house was in order. My kingdom was very structured. I was in great disciplines with everything. And there was a certain moment in a relationship when I, I realized I wanted to marry her. Mm. And this part of my psyche, which had not been integrated, kind of like came back and, and kind of pulled me down. And I ended up going into a bit of a tailspin and getting back into addictive cycles. And, and I tried to, as most men, you know, I tried to figure it out myself. Of course. You know, <clears throat> in the sense of I didn't, I didn't necessarily <laughs> share with her what was going on. Um, I was so scared that she was going to leave me. And, and I... I did pull in allies. I had a, a a dear brother who was working with me. I did end up starting to see a therapist, but I wasn't I wasn't telling my partner. And a lot of that was just like I really wanted to figure out. I didn't want to bring it to her. But inevitably, you know, as the feminine is so intuitive, um, and when you're in a relationship with someone, there's really no way to hide things. They, your partners, whether they're a man or a woman, they'll, they'll kind of sniff it out. And she kind of figured it out and and found out in 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 a very um, painful way by just finding stuff on my computer. Right. And, and this led to this kind of disastrous kind of reaction in her and bringing up all of her pain and all of her triggers. Mm -hmm. And we ended up staying together for a number of years after that. And, but it was this on and off thing of like finding rectification within myself and then trying to find a way to, to alchemize things through the partnership and in the end, we actually split, but it was actually a very beautiful experience of, of learning for both of us. We brought up a lot of shadows to be, to be worked on, but that was a huge catalyst for me to, to just dive much deeper into particularly the lover archetype 
and just be a lot more open about those wounds. Cause I think a lot of men are dealing with wounds around how do we use this force of libido? The masculine energies are so potent and so powerful. And the world is in a way, as you mentioned, the malaise, there is a kind of um, programming in the world to kind of keep that masculine energy very repressed and very internalized where it leads to a lot of chaos. Um, so that just led me into deeper experiences and explorations through therapy, through healing and through men's work about, you know, how can we hold these wounds together? And, and one last thing I'll share is it, it did lead to a very beautiful moment where the men's circle that I was running at the time, we actually combined with my former partner's women's circle to take this on. So we mm. had a whole session where we talked about pornography addiction, the identification of women. And what was so remarkable in that session was there was about 20 men who came and they all shared very vulnerably about how they just felt very victimized with their sexual energy. They didn't feel they were in perfect health with it. They were trying to figure it out. And we had handpicked about eight women who we felt could hold this kind of really nice space. Right. And the women, the women were incredible. You know, they held so much compassion. And, and I think it was very helpful for them too, to sort of peer into the world of, of just seeing men like kind of dealing with feeling helpless and not right. knowing what to do. Because I think a lot of men try and hold it together all the time. And women kind of are like, okay, you're, you're good. And we're, we're like, yeah, we're good. But we're not, you know? And so I think that was good because it, it developed this compassion for the women to be like, oh, wow, okay, men are actually dealing with a lot of stuff and they don't share it because they're not told how to share. Um, but that was, that opened their hearts. It opened all of our hearts. It was really lovely. That's fantastic. And you hit, hit the nail on the head in regards to how women, I mean, they truly are our biggest fans and they truly want us to dive deep into the self. I just noticed, and even myself, and you kind of, you mentioned it too, that we would rather watch our burn, our world burn down all around us before we actually start taking action. Like, oh yeah, maybe, maybe I should look into this, or maybe there's someone that does have a little bit of insight and it, it just, it boggles my mind because I, you know, now I see it on the other side. And why do you think that is? Why do you think men, even today, with all the information that's out there, why are men by and large so resistant, resistant to change or digging into that part of the self? Yeah, that's an excellent question, Dwayne. You know, I think I think the biggest thing is that men are afraid that if they are vulnerable and open themselves up to change, which entails saying, I need to fix something, which would be entailing sharing a wounded aspect of ourselves. I think men have this deep fear as, as I, as I felt in my relationship, if I share this, um, I'm going to be seen as less of a man. Mm -hmm. um, I'm not going to be seen in strength. I'm going to be vilified in some way and, and shamed. And, um, and I think that's just a relic of that old machismo era, you know, of, you know, boys don't cry and stuff, but I know probably, I mean, I, I'm, I'm 42 and I, I even know in my generation, like when I was quite young at school, we, we were kind of fed that in, in the culture around us in the Rambo movies and all of this. So that right. when men did express any kind of weakness, it, it was a kind of like, Hey, what the hell? Like get your stuff together. And, and there wasn't like a, a kind of container built for a transformation of that, a stewarding of that. So I think it really comes down to fear. And, and I think that mm -hmm. fear is very deep because, you know, as you say, women are our biggest fans and I, and I agree, you know, and, and there's so many women in this, um, quest that I just ran, you know, have been writing me so many uh, messages of support. And, and I love that because that's, that's so motivating to men. I mean, when we really get down to it, there is this like ancient kind of need between men and women, you know, this love and adoration. Mm -hmm. And when men can invite that into their lives, it can be really galvanizing. Um, but yeah, I think, um, I think for a lot of men, they're very afraid that they'll be less attractive to women. I, I guess I'm speaking obviously heterosexually, and that's a huge um, part of a man's life, you know, is to be attractive to women, to be able to like win their favor and to look good in their eyes. Right. And so I think men are like, shit, if I, if I, you know, share a wound of myself and enter into, you know, transforming it, um, I'm not going to, I'm going to lose all of that um, love 
from from women as well and i'm gonna i'm gonna look less than and i think that's that's terrifying for a lot of men and and then boom inevitably all the resistance happens and the defensiveness to try and just shore up this pre- <clears throat> pretense of of what strength is supposed to be right i've got my shit together i'm good yeah. <laughs> meanwhile yeah. everything else is going to hell yeah, uh, and and I see that where in the work that I do, I would say sixty five percent of my engagement comes from women. It's like oh, sharing, sharing. This needs to be said, and yeah, I get the men, but it's almost like when the men come and it's like, okay, I'm admitting that you're right or that this is on point with how I'm at. And women, they're like they so desperately want us to step into that authentic masculine and truly understand and understand that divine feminine and how powerful it truly is. Mm-hmm. Uh, Absolutely. With, with the work that you do, and, and I would think you are so qualified to answer this question. A lot of men, when they hear about the divine feminine and working with the the feminine within them there's typically a resistance when it's their first exposure to it that oh my god uh no way i i don't have feminine energy in me nope 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 um and that there's there's a visceral reaction to it it's not about that it's not like you're going to be switching teams and listening to barbara streisand tunes it's just it's not that at all. And in fact, the divine feminine is incredibly powerful. And I would like you to perhaps talk to the brothers out there that have heard about this and understanding just what it would, what it takes for them to truly embrace the divine feminine energy within them. Yeah. Another excellent question, Dwayne. Um, I mean, for me, when I was studying the King War Magician Lover books, uh, one of the great insights that the authors bring forth is that our masculine energy is engendered by our feminine. Right. Um, and they use this excellent symbol uh, or symbolic tale from our mythological understandings um, with the King Arthur tale of the Lady of the Lake. I don't know if you remember that fable. Um, I, I know the title. I, I just can't remember the, uh, the context. Yeah. So in one of the legends of King Arthur, uh, he loses Excalibur. And there's various interpretations of why. I, I think I like the idea that in some way he became corrupted. He was not using his might for right as a king. Hmm. And he lost Excalibur, which is kind of like the warrior symbol of that phallic libidinous energy. And it wasn't until he was able to... Uh, evolve his virtue to a certain level that he received Excalibur again. It was given back to him, but it was given back to him by the high priestess of this fairy land who lived mm. underwater in this lake. Right. And there's this powerful image of the sword coming out of the lake mm. with this female holding it by the hand and giving it back to King Arthur. And that's kind of a sign of the feminine saying, okay, I, I can trust you. You've disciplined your aggression to use it in the right scenarios. You have a lovingness that can also equalize with, you know, more of that mighty masculine energy, because if they're not together, then you're going to become the tyrant king. And, and she was the, the one who anointed him, you know, in that moment of being like the true king. And I see that in the feminine. I think the feminine has this power within us to to anoint us to help us use all of these more fiery energies in the right way and right. without that understanding of empathy and lovingness and compassion we are very vulnerable to having our masculine propensities overrun us and take us into like the toxic realms which are so vilified in in modern culture um and I'll also share that you know, one thing that I've seen in how to get men to uh, build and cultivate their femininity in a very simple way is men's circles, uh, mm-hmm. particularly the elements of men's circles where there's a sharing of, of our wounds. Uh, that's probably been the most beautiful thing I've witnessed in the work I've had the privilege to do with men is just holding the space where we can have a simple talisman and we move around the circle and whoever has the talisman gets to speak and share their wounds without the need necessarily even for feedback, although 
in a lot of circles we we allow if they want feedback from other men they can get it but just having that space of being held by your brothers and feeling the lovingness opens up in your heart when you realize wow all these men in this room are dealing with stuff like and some of the stuff is the same stuff i'm dealing with and i thought right. i was alone in that and by the end of the, those men's circles there's such a like lovingness in the room like this brotherly love and that brotherly love to me is a great symbol of masculine and feminine unity within the soul of a man and and we need that more in the world you know we're so homophobic still we're so just repressed and defensive that holding our brothers hugging them and and having that beautiful feminine space with them you know we're, we're, not, we're just not told by culture to do that it's changing now which is wonderful to see Absolutely. I, uh, I never equated it to the feminine energy when we had our, our men's circles, uh, but it is exactly, it's that, it's, it's a divine union. And even this is you and I in our authentic, or our divine feminine, being able to have a powerful conversation. And communication is a great aspect of the feminine energy. And a lot of men don't recognize it as such. And so it's, it's important that we, we dive into that. So I appreciate uh, the analogy that you use. It's very, very powerful imagery as well. Uh, I wanted to get into, now you're, you're in Costa Rica, right? Um, I am. And what, how did you venture or how did uh, the life end, end up getting you down there? Because that's well, a very that's a very feminine energy location as well. Because it's nature is so lush, so giving. Hundred percent, you know, and this dovetails actually with all of that discussion of the feminine. So, I mean, I was in Costa Rica in 2019. I was asked to perform at a very well known festival here called Envision. I had been in Costa Rica previous to that about five years prior, and and to be honest, didn't really like it too much. I found it a little mm. too touristy. But this festival was such a great opportunity that I thought, okay, I'm, I'm, I'm going to come back. And I ended up um, running my sound healing training source resonance as well. And it was during that training that I was in a, a Temescal sweat lodge mm. um, that my friend uh, Camilo, who's a Costa Rican or what we call Tico. And um, this sweat lodge was the hottest. I'd, I've been doing sweat lodges for years with First Nations people in Canada. But this was like the hottest sweat lodge I've ever been in because you're already in the jungle in January right. in Costa Rica. It's summer. It's already a sweat lodge. And um, so by the time we got in the sweat lodge, I was really, really feeling the heat. A few people left quite quickly. And then I, I kind of had this moment where I wanted to leave too, but I felt because I'm the leader of this retreat. If I leave, they're all going to leave. They were all kind right. of like first, first timers. So I was going through this internal struggle. And at a certain point, um, I really felt like, my heart was just going to explode. And I really reached this point of just surrendering to death. And it was then that this voice voice came into my heart and said, uh, you're afraid to die because you've never let mother earth love you. Ooh. And it was like such a profound wisdom teaching. And I immediately went to the ground and started chanting Pachamama Pachamama, which is the spiritual name for mother earth in Spanish mm -hmm. and everything started to stabilize. And then this voice, this voice of spirit said, uh, Costa Rica is your new home uh, because Mother Earth is so loud and proud here. Those were the exact words. Wow. And, yeah. And, you know, leading up to this, I had become very interested in what's known as eco-spirituality. I'd had a lot of indigenous teachers in my life, and they had actually put me on a path to rediscover my own indigenous heritage as a European, which was something that I'd never been educated on, mm. which led me into Druidry, which led me into Gnosticism and really excavating the knowledge of the ancient mystery schools, a lot of stuff that we're not told about. Um, but I was really already on this path of a number of years starting to really understand that Mother Earth is this living goddess of wisdom. And so in that moment, when that hit me, I realized, yeah, of course, Costa Rica is one of the most biodiverse places on, on Earth. Mm -hmm. Mother Earth is so profoundly powerful here. And she works on you. You know, when you're here, you, you can't hide from yourself. You're in a resonance of nature all the time. Like when you go back to cities, you're around man-made structures. Here, it's like, it's just nature. And you start to resonate with that just through how frequencies work. When there's a more powerful frequency, you entrain to it, you start to resonate with it. 
So there is this luscious feminine energy here. And I really feel that one thing I've learned from indigenous people is we have to create this primary relationship with the earth as our mother, as our collective mother. That is so vitally important. I would say it's universally important and it's the real mm. thing that the environmental crisis needs. So for me, um, moving down here was an opportunity to deepen that relationship with myself because you know what we teach in the world hopefully comes from our own experience first. And in the last two years, I can, I can safely say, you know, it's been one of the most transformational experiences of my life being here. And the contrast of going back to Canada for two months this summer was also remarkably educational because it was really a witnessing of like how I just, I was really done with living in cities. I was, right. I just longed for the jungle. I longed for just being in the, the relaxation and the healing that happens from just being able to rest a lot more in nature is so important. And, you know, last thing I'll say on this is, is we're hoping me and um, some of my friends were forming a team to, to lift up a, a center down here. And we're hoping to really captivate people to come down here and just have really visceral raw experiences of reconnecting to mother earth mm. so that she can be centered again in our life and really renowned as the wisdom teacher um, that she has been so universally revered for millennia. And I think in that way, we'll, we'll really, it's like a missing link around the divine feminine, you know, because I think we've, we've been in a culture that's been all about God and seeing the masculine as like the supreme, but when goddess is also brought into the picture and you have God and goddess as a lot of our Celtic pagan ancestors saw it, um, that, that does something really profound to reality. And I know just from my sense of reality, praying and having a relationship with the divine as like a feminine being and a masculine, um, to me, that's like a, a very important endeavor that I think most human beings need to explore. Couldn't agree with you more. Uh, you mentioned indigenous peoples and, and the work you've done with shamanism. I'm just mm -hmm. curious, have you done spirit medicine work? Like um, ayahuasca. Ayahuasca. Stuff. Yes, uh, I have. And, you know, um, it's very interesting. I, I actually had a remarkable occasion working with, I don't know if you're aware of Dr. Gabor Mate. I am not. Ah, okay. He's amazing. He's Canadian. And okay. he is the leading expert in the world on trauma. And he just released a documentary called The Wisdom of Trauma. His name is Gabor, G-A-B-O-R-M-A-T-E. I'm excited for you to check him out because yeah. he's one of the most important people alive. And mm. he did an amazing 10-day retreat in Mexico that I was invited to. It was called the Wounded Healers Retreat. It was a shamanic team that took us through three ayahuasca ceremonies. And then we had days in between where Gabor and his psychology team integrated the work with us. And oh, that was gosh. a very next level experience to see these kind of schools of shamanism and psychology being married. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, I mean, ayahuasca has been, uh, I haven't done it a lot. You know, it's, I think with these plant medicines, you know, you just find precise moments and they can really unlock things. But it's definitely something that I feel is there's an obvious calling in, in human culture to connect with them because they do heal consciousness. You know, it's not just about healing the body, yeah. but really going <clears throat> to the, the depth of realizing that the real problem on the planet to me is like fragmented, wounded consciousness. Yeah, I haven't done the ayahuasca journey yet, and it's it's just been there. It keeps on coming. It keeps on uh, being reminded that we come from someone to to uh, a group to someone's experience. And okay, I've got to do this. And there are some facilitators uh, in Vancouver that I'm aware of, but I would rather do it like where you are in the jungle and truly be a fully immersive experience because people that have done it has it's changed their lives it truly has yeah and when you when you look back at like the mystery schools which were these ancient schools in europe and asia thousands of years ago <clears throat> that held you know they were cultivating the great wisdoms and cultivating great human beings like plato and all these great masters in greece were initiated in the egyptian mystery schools uh, they all had these rites of initiation, which involved drinking some kind of what they called entheogen, some kind of psychedelic brew, right. which was very specifically supposed to connect us with the divine mother who is earth. 
Um, at least I've seen this in my research. And ayahuasca is, is also doing the same thing. She's re regarded as a grandmother. And, and you're very clearly feeling this divine feminine spirit when you're on mm -hmm. the medicine, um, helping you reintegrate traumatic experiences and, and find the wisdom in your wounds. Um, so it, it's definitely part of the zeitgeist of our times. Um, and I'm not surprised to hear it's like kind of snake-like and slithering around in your life. Cause that's how it worked yeah. in my life too, for yeah. years with like, I'd have students being like, Hey, have you done ayahuasca? I'm like, no. And I wasn't really into it. I had resistance and it would just keep popping up to a point where I was finally like, just out of sheer curiosity, I didn't initially even have a need. I was just like, okay, I'm just going to do it. And when I decided to really do it and they say this, there's a magic to it. it the amount of synchronicities that happened to take me into that experience, which happened a month after I made the decision was right. remarkable. It made me feel like, okay, this medicine is, very supremely powerful. There, I would like to, uh, to just kind of dive more into the work you're doing. Uh, mm -hmm. More specifically, the uh, labels or the, uh, the descriptions that you've given uh, the different compartments of healing masculinity. And I wanted to start with the lost man and what, what that is and how the brothers listening can relate to that. Yeah, so when I architected this five-day quest, um, I, I thought about, okay, what are four realms that I can cover that are kind of minor archetypes? Um, mm -hmm. Because I have this other program called Kings of the Heart, which will be running soon, where I go through like the major archetypes. Um, and I was like, well, what can I teach men that would be kind of more of an intro and, and set the terrain for them into the deeper work. And these four kind of minor archetypes just appeared and I started to write about them and I actually just released an ebook on it as well. And um, so the lost man was the first one that came forward. And it really is about, you know, recognizing that I think when a man really gets in touch with his wounds, mm -hmm. he realizes that a lot of those wounds are coming from, that we've lost something. And I mentioned this at the beginning of our talk, like the loss of initiation ceremonies is a huge part of the lost man, because mm -hmm. you realize when you study traditional cultures that rites of passage um, for both men and women between, you know, taking them from boys and girls into adulthood, were like essential, like right. almost across the board, all over the world, they, they had this demarcation where they recognized, okay, the Edenic, Edenic world, the innocence of childhood, which is so wonderful, needs to be kind of transmuted if you're going to be this healthy adult that's all of a sudden going to be responsible for the society, especially if you're in a hunter-gatherer culture where, you know, your life depends on hunting food and protecting. And right. So they would take you through this these rites, um, which very different from cultures of the world, but the idea was to basically take your... Um, ego, which up to that point as a child was kind of veering in maybe a healthy narcissism because, you know, your parents are giving you everything to help you. You're helpless at sure. come out of the womb you need. But then there's a certain point where you're no longer the center of your parents' universe. You have to kind of find this transpersonal center of the culture that you're part of. You have to orbit around that. So it's like moving your ego out to orbit this now new sun is a work, you know, it's, it's a work that needs ritual, that needs a certain um, force of ritual elder men or women. Mm -hmm. um, so we've lost that. And, and I think there's a great feeling of, of lostness in, in the, even in the subconscious of men, because for generations, our ancestors went through these rites. So there's this kind of feeling of, oh, you know, what are, I, I haven't been educated the right way of how to deal with all these profoundly powerful masculine forces. Um, but the lost man is also just in, in general, just trying to shed a light on the terrain of our wounds, you know, and, and what are those wounds and opening up that inquiry with men so that we can share through our own tears, you know, what, what are the things that we're wounded around and, and looking as well into the great wellspring of grief that is in the hearts right. of men um, from the lack of education and then probably clumsily going about our life and hurting ourselves and others in the process and getting to that point that you mentioned where you you have this perfect storm suddenly happen. Um, that's finally like, okay, no more. Like I've got to, I've got to really get in there and, and change something. And that's when the promise of the lost man is that 
when you realize you've lost something, well, it motivates you to find something. <laughs> right. <Hopefully>. Absolutely. <laughs> I'm, I'm noticing a lot of men's organizations now doing a uh, rite of passage for young boys. So men, uh, fathers and sons are now diving into this really important work. Have you had an opportunity to work with uh, fathers and sons? I haven't yet, but um, it's something that I would love, 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 love to do at a certain point. Um, I, I did have the blessed occasion to do a rite of passage myself oh. um, with a First Nations elder um, in Manitoba. Actually, oh, wow. there's a gentleman called Dave Crescane Jr., and he started this incredible organization called the Turtle Lodge, which is also a physical place. Okay. And this amazing man has opened up every uh, early June, late May, a rite of passage to anyone who wants to come uh, to, for men and women. And, and they're, they're different. The men go out and do a vision quest. The women stay and do the moon lodge with the grandmothers. Um, but that was an incredible experience to be out on the land for three days with no food, no water and to just be with the land and to receive those visions. Um, that was, that was deeply profound, but I would, I would hope as the work evolves, um, we're looking to have, you know, some property here in Costa Rica mm -hmm. where we can take people through those deeper experiences. And uh, the men's group that I've started here, uh, we, we have talked about, there are actually some um, men here who have been running rites of passage and such. Um, so that technology is finding its way here too, which is exciting. Nice. Talk to me about the wild man. This, this one I really enjoyed because I mean, uh, Robert Bly and uh, uh, right. it is something that a lot of men deny within themselves because of where we're at and the political correctness that's going on. Uh, give us a little bit of insight on that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned Robert Bly. I mean, he was the inspiration for this realm for me and his book. Yeah, I mean, it, it does create a certain zest when you when you read Iron John and when sure. you get in touch with this archetype, because, you know, wildness is beautiful. I think, mm -hmm. I think every human being, you know, when they're at a rock concert or they're any, any experience where they're completely self-expressed without inhibition, there's a recognition that those are like those peak moments in life of joy where we're at our happiest. And, um, but there's also a recognition, I mean, dovetailing with the lost man, that when you look around at culture, like those are few and far between those experiences. Mm. Uh, we're very domesticated. We're very controlled, actually. If you look at just the education system, you know, you go from running around free in the wilderness to being in this chair all day, being told what to do and to regurgitate like a parrot, all this information. And a lot of humans have struggles with that, you know, in the school system. Um, but really the wild man is, is about recognizing again, that we have this deep connectivity with nature because we are nature. Right. And that, uh, deep within us, as Robert Bly says, is this hairy God, you know, this God man who's hairy, who's primal, who's horny, who's filled with this effervescent zest, um, but is also remarkably poised, you know, and poignant mm -hmm. in the way that, uh, a wilderness guide would be who knows all the plants and all the terrain, the ecology, you know, it doesn't necessarily mean wild means like crazy or like a berserker. Um, and that's where this, this archetype is very deep to me, you know, because it, it, it forces you to rethink, you know, the whole concept of what it means to be wild. But within that wildness, mm -hmm. there is this undeniable force of, getting in touch with the libido, you know, and realizing that libido isn't just a sexual urge. It's like, you know, to borrow from David Dieta, it's the urge to like fuck the world, you know, right. with your dreams and your beauty and to bring out your virtue and penetrate and like wake up in the morning with this kind of gusto that just wants to, you know, dominate the world with goodness uh, to borrow from Helena, Helena Plavatsky. And, and when you get, when a man gets in touch with that, um, you realize like, God, I haven't, like, I haven't tapped this. And it's, it's just right there in my breath, you know, this zest, you know, all I need to do is put on some music and shake around and boom, there it is. Mm -hmm. And, and that's a powerful force to learn to tap into on the, on the daily. And, and why I love, you know, I do a lot of excited dances. I facilitate them shaking medicine because I'm just like, this is important for human beings, you know, to get rewilded. 
Is there a technique that you could uh, share with the guys that would uh, help them just, you know, if they had a couple minutes just to get into that energy? Oh, yeah. Uh, you know, it's funny you mentioned that because I just promoted it on my Instagram, uh, Darren Druid, today. Um, I have a Mystical Meditations album on Spotify. If you look up my name, Darren Austin Hall, seven meditations. And one of them is a shaking medicine mm. meditation where I, I bang a drum and I guide you through just, just a five-minute activation of the body and the voice. That, that would be a great thing to do to really feel that wildness for sure. Excellent. I, I tell, uh, tell my clients and my, my men's group that uh, they've got a roar. They've got oh, to roar. Yeah, it's know? huge. And just uh, even if, and for a lot of them are, well, wait a minute. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't have any privacy. I, I tell them if they got a car, it's one of the best places to get into because the cars today are very uh, sound uh, proof and they yes. can drive, do it in the garage or drive out to an empty parking lot and just roar and, to, and just at the top of your lungs until you got nothing left. It just, it's just amazing. I agree. The lion's roar. I, I do that practice a lot with myself and men too. It is, I mean, it's like you watch all those warrior movies, you know, I sure. mean, as men, most men, you know, we love Lord of the Rings, the, the way of the samurai or Braveheart. And I, you know, I do this men's retreat called earth night. And um, we do a lot of that together, you know, shoulder to shoulder, like just holding each other and roaring out to the land and, and letting that masculine <clears throat> figure be, be felt and heard. And, God, it brings such delight into a man's life because indeed, yang energy is powerful. You know, it needs to be expressed in a powerful way like that. It, and the minute you do it, it brings delight. It doesn't bring like this violence, you know, which is how culture kind of distorts it. No question. And I guess a, uh, a going from the wild man, uh, a very powerful uh, component was the mother's man. And mm. I, want, I want you to maybe give us a, a little bit of insight on what that's all about. Yeah. So the mother's man, the third realm um, was kind of the, the newest insights I was getting into the masculine work through mm. a friend, a friend of mine, a dear friend introduced me to this book. Um, I think it's called breaking the mother son dynamic by John Lee. And John's an amazing student of Robert Bly's as well. And he really zeroed in on this wound that we have again. It, I mean, I love that it all kind of connects in the lost man, you know, with the loss of initiations, what those initiation ceremonies were also doing, were giving boys a clean break from the mother, right? You know, because the mother is kind of the goddess in, in human form to the boy child. You come out of this womb out of her body I mean, what a visceral form of being created by the feminine. And then you're immediately like suckling on her breast for like dear life. Like that is your nourishment. Um, so you have this visceral experience of like really being codependent with the feminine, which is important and a need at a certain point in your life. But that needs to be broken. And, and the ritual elders really understood this, that there needs to be a clean cut. So in a lot of traditional cultures, they would actually steal the boys away from their parents' house in the middle of the night wearing like right. ritual archetypal masks. And the, the mothers were aware of this, right? You know, so they would feign kind of distress to add to the psychodrama of it so that it would be a much more emotionally, the impact would be greater for the boy. Um, but they recognized that, you know, in order to have appropriate relationship with women, there needs to be this kind of distance from the mother. And you could say even the feminine within ourselves, right? Because from what I've learned, the feminine energy, it's, it's like, we, we go into this work with the lover archetype, right? Like in some ways, the lover is the most dangerous archetype because it's so seductive and pleasure is so captivating. And if we don't have the right boundaries of the warrior and the King and the right work of our inner being with the magician, you know, the lover will just seduce all of them and just lead them all like the Pied Piper into this world of hedonism and debauchery. And that's a very feminine energy. And so what I see with a lot of men, I saw this within my own life is because I didn't have that break from my mother. I ended up like, you know, I had a single mother. My parents got divorced when I was 11. I, I took care of my mother. She, she started to look to me 
to be like the masculine presence in her life, right. which wasn't her fault. You know, mm -hmm. again, we've lost all of these understandings. So there's an emotional incest that started to take place. And what happened was I started to really like take care of my mother overly too much and was brought all of a sudden into this adult world of trying to process her feelings, her emotions. And while I was wise beyond my years, I, I was still probably in an unhealthy relationship with her at that moment. And then I started to realize that, you know, a lot of men look to women to carry their feminine, you know, because right. their mothers did it for them. Yep. Um, but there is a certain point where men have to realize who is that woman inside of them? Who is their feminine? And so I mentioned in the mother's men um, talk in the quest, you know, a few good points that men can do is for me personally, like learn to cook for yourself, learn to take care of yourself day right. to day, you know, learn to give yourself days off where you self care and go get a massage, take a walk in nature. Those are all ways to really galvanize the mothering in you and to take care of yourself so that you don't, you know, go around looking for a woman to be your mother, which is such a turnoff, which so many no of us question. do. <laughs> so many of us do. And so John's book was mm -hmm. really a, an amazing way for me to look at all of this. And, and that's really what the mother's man is about is just realizing this like very hidden wound in our culture of, of not having correct separation from the, the feminine. It's all about boundaries, right? We, we need to have those boundaries. And it's extremely problematic now because so many boys and men have been raised by single mothers and they do not have that authentic masculine role model to show them what it means to be a man and be able to be that, have that independence and being able to separate this was mom and now this is my girlfriend or my wife and this is her role and not the role of my moms. And I see that uh, so often uh, in my coaching, how men have had a very difficult time unpacking that and, and being that stoic leader within the relationship. And mm -hmm. uh, it's almost like there needs to be another realm, I'm almost feeling of the father's man too, because you know, in relation to this is obviously and it's something in the realm of the lost man is the loss of fathers, you know? And, right. and a lot of that has been with, if you trace, like I, I love studying history because you, you learn a lot more about our collective, you know, story and industrialization has been a mm. slow erosion of, of the nuclear family, you know, because of the rigors of having to work in cities and the cost of living always increasing and the minimum wage just stays where it is. So you end up like the fathers got pulled really out of the home and so much more onus was put on the mothers, unfortunately and tragically, to carry like much more of the mantle of the family. And then, um, and then fathers through all the wars that happened in the 20th century, men became so traumatized and so closed down, sure. and they ended up just like being utterly distant from the family because a lot of them didn't want to bring their pain into their family network. So it's been a really, it's been a really tragic story, and I and I and I really like to context that for people because. I think we, we take too much of the burden on ourselves and we have to realize there's a lot of generational trauma and wounds here. And, and that's why it does need the circles. You know, we, the only way we're going to really solve this stuff is collectively coming together in, in teamwork. I agree. We've got to come together. No question. That's what the brotherhood is all about globally. Mm -hmm. uh, and finally, Darren, uh, the glorious man. Mm -hmm. I love this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So, I mean, I just felt, you know, at the end of the journey, when we've done all of this kind of work and looking at all the wounds and looking at the work we need to do, you know, it's all to the idea of getting into a place where we're glorious. And, and I, and I write about this in the ebook about how the word glory can be triggering for people. And the reason I hooked onto it is because it was actually a farewell that the Knights Templar or the sacred warriors used to say to each other with an mm. exclamation point, which I love, you know, so they'd be, you know, they'd have a good, cup of brew or whatever and then they'd be like all right see you tomorrow be glorious and i don't know i started using this with the men in my men's circle and and it just brought this like really That's gusto you know sure. brought this cheer this joy you know because the glorious. idea yeah because if you <laughs> look at it. a lot of the ancient knight cultures like the chivalric knights which i love getting into in the in the warrior archetype it was a lot about you know, going on quests and displaying your virtue and testing your limits things that i think men are lacking in life because life is not, you know, you look at adverts, it's like a bunch of men sitting on a couch, drinking beer, 
watching football and there's no like and you know a lot of them are roly-poly they're a little overweight it's like well where's where's the like you know the test you know that mm-hmm. test our metal a little and that edginess is what men need and i love doing men's retreats because you know you'll you'll have some of the beta men join the retreat you know and uh and then we play some competitive games like ultimate frisbee we do a few different things and all of a sudden all all the men are like trash talking each other (laughs) they're going for in a loving way you know it's all but you 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 see this like oh and then even the more quiet men are the fiercest warriors all of a sudden right and and i really love that and it is Mm. all to like feel you know glory comes from this idea of being like a channel for divine energy really when you look at it um, so it's really about just feeling the glory of your body, feeling the glory of your masculinity. And this is where we really want to get to is to a point where we render masculine energy as something that's beautiful. That's something that should be celebrated and, and something that we need to embody in, in a beautiful, virtuous way so that women can feel safe to celebrate it with us. Because we need women to also motivate us, to inspire us, to, to anoint us, you know, and they've been dealing with our toxic masculinity for so long which is more the fault of culture than anything else but um as you said at the beginning they're really crying out to really just like applaud us and and realize oh finally these men we can co-create this new earth with them so there's so much glory that can come from this work because you start to find more harmony with women and that's so valuable in a man's life to start to have better friendships and alliances and better lovers with women uh, because there's so much wisdom in the culture of women that men need to bring into their lives and partner with. Um, you know, and the last thing I'll say about glory is I think in the ebook, I, I have this um, quote by Leonardo da Vinci. I'm going to paraphrase it, but it's something along the lines of he who sows virtue uh, sows glory. And this idea of virtue is very important. I, I come from a Chinese medicine background as well. And mm. virtue in the Taoist uh philosophy were considered the marvelous impulses. I love it. The marvelous impulses like courage, benevolence, compassion, strength. And these are the virtuous impulses we want to bring on in our lives. And when you do start to embody courage, for example, and you know, fear is getting more diminished and you're going for healthy risks in your life and you're finding that way to edge out and always kind of have that evolutionary tension where you're growing your strength. Um, you do feel glorious, you know, you feel this like Hmm. radiance. And that is, to me, the ultimate goal is to get men to be working with their masculine energy in such a way that on the daily, they're feeling like they're walking suns, you know, they're, they're just the solar energy that just by their very presence alone, has an uplifting effect on the world. And that's not, you know, that's something that's achievable. I've seen it in a lot of men I've worked with. I've seen it in my life. And that's a very profound feeling to, to have. It takes a lot of work to get there, you know, because we've no been question. trying to compete with each other, to not share power, to not generate and bless each other. But those are all the qualities that we're really after with glory. I love it, Darren. Uh, we are we're in a very you know, interesting time. There's a tremendous amount of fear. There's a tremendous amount of uncertainty. And there's a system that's pushing down on a lot of brothers and they're feeling it. Uh, I can't believe we're uh, already almost an hour into this because that's just the nature of this conversation. And uh, there is uh, a tremendous amount of uh, synergy going on here. Uh, I would like to end the call with you giving us some insight, perhaps the brothers right now that are feeling this tremendous heavy weight that's on them from, you know, the, this, this whole mandate thing that's going on. And I call it the scandemic, but it is what it is. And a lot of, a lot of people are, uh, there's so much divisiveness going on right now. What could you give to the brothers to, to just give them a little ray of light that it's all going to, it's all going to be okay in some way, shape or form. Well, uh, it's only going to be okay if uh, we bring that. Okay. And I think that's both the blessing uh, and I won't say the curse, but the adversity in this situation is that the King archetype, the power of the Kings, it brings the sacred order. That is a cosmic thing. The divine nature into this terrestrial world. Um, and right now we're besieged by chaos and 
the pandemic is just a flashpoint exposing that world systems that have been in place for, I think, centuries, if not longer, have been very deficient. They don't have the appropriate foundation to really bless us with an enlightened society or civilization even. And it's just reached a point where the wounds have been festering for so long and now they're, they've gone systemic, just like cancer. You know, it's just, it's starting to act, um, to transfer all over the place, so metastasize. And uh, we can take heart in knowing that I think what the world is going through has been prophesized as well. Our ancestors said there's going to be a time where there's going to be this fork in the road and we have to choose that virtuous, glorious road. And that it is up to us to be the new kings, you know, to no longer vote for politicians and assume that they're going to do it for us. To actually say, right. you know what, enough is enough. It's up to us. Let's start creating the new world. We don't even have to fight anymore with that old world and get lost in all those divided games, which is part of the ploy too. Let's start to think about what do we want to create and really step into our, our creativity, realize, hey, wait, we are masters of this reality too. You know, let's vote for ourselves. Let's all act as prime ministers and kings and queens and start to really design and architect, you know, the world that we long for. Uh, because the world that we've been just passively a part of is obviously going in a different direction than many of us are, are liking. So, um, yeah, this is an opportunity, you know, for men especially to really step into their king archetype, to step forward as leaders. There's a lot of prophesized energy that's hitting us. Very cosmic divine stuff is in play. There's a lot to pull on. The Internet has just given us such insight to our humanity I mean, there's so much ways to learn as well, trainings and mentors and ways that we can come together collectively to upgrade right now. It, it is really a re-education and an up-leveling of our consciousness, and it's happening universally. Darren, I've, I've actually got goosebumps and my, all my hair is raised up because uh, I'm nice. so in alignment with what you are saying. Nice. Uh, yeah, yes. Really fantastic. Uh, hey. Diving into your glory, brothers. Oh, um, oh, yes, brother. Uh, Darren Austin Hall, this has been a real pleasure. I've really enjoyed this conversation and we could go on and on. Uh, you've got a few things uh, that you're working on. I would love for you to give us some insight on Kings of the Heart program. Sure. Yeah. Kings of the Heart is um, basically it's it's my course that I've been teaching the men for years on the four major archetypes, King, War, Magician, Lover. And, you know, given the state of the world now and a lot of things moving online, I've had a lot of people ask me for a number of years, can this be translated into an online environment? So I've done that. I've designed, I have a team that I'm working with, and we've created this beautiful eight-week journey where we'll be spending two weeks on each of the archetypes, going through the shadow work, the, the mm. sense of our wounds, and how we can walk what I call the wound to wisdom road. Uh, the archetypes are so powerful. I, I believe that every man needs to get this technology in their life. And if you, if you look at archetypal trainings, they're, they're popping up all over the place because it's just that important that all men, I think, universally apply this stuff. So it's starting on November 21st. Um, it's going to be this beautiful container. We're going to have live calls each week. We'll have live men's circles as well. And I'm laying out a set of really beautiful evolutionary practices and some guided meditations I'm recording with an amazing sound healing producer so people can really activate at any time this archetypal energy. Um, and then in March next year, uh, I'll be running my Earth Night uh, men's retreat here in Costa Rica as well, which is going to be mm. super exciting. And, you know, some new intel is we're actually starting to partner with some women's circles. And there might actually be a women's retreat happening at the same time. And we're looking to maybe have a reunion mini retreat afterwards for three days for any of the men and women who want to come and do that work, because that's the next thing we got to start leaning into is, is bringing the men and women circles together here and there. Right. And also having that beautiful separate energy work too. Um, so th those are the two major things in the realm of men, but there's also this group on Facebook that I've started called healing masculinity, where I launched this um, five day quest. The videos are still up there. If anyone wants to watch the replays and I do have this ebook. Um, if anyone wants it, they can reach out to me either through my website, DarrenAustinHall.com or on Instagram, Darren Druid. And I'd be happy to send them for free a copy of the ebook. Excellent. And gentlemen, I will have all of Darren's links in the show notes. Or if you're watching on YouTube, click the links below to contact Darren. Brother, 
I am so honored to have you on the Remarkable Man Show. It's truly been a blessing. And I know all the men and the women that are uh, listening or watching have got a tremendous amount of value from this. I honor you, brother. And I would like to uh, perhaps have you on the show again uh, to, to keep going down this incredible journey uh, of, of men's work and the evolution of what's happening with men. Darren Austin Hall. Love that. I would Thanks. love that, Dwayne. Thank you yeah. so much. Feel very honored to be here. And yeah, let's keep it going anytime and be glorious. Be glorious. I love that. All right. Thank you so much for being on the show, Darren. And for all of you brothers, thank you for being here. And remember, you're not alone on the journey. I've got your back. Have the best day. We'll talk to you soon. Cheers. Thank you for listening to The Remarkable Man Show. If you like what you heard and you want to know more, go to theremarkablemanshow.com. Subscribe on iTunes and YouTube for the video version. Now get out there and be remarkable.